Welcome back to Waking Up With Mel. This is episode number 10. We are officially in double digits. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And I just love doing this. So here I am. Today we're talking about the spiritual side of yoga. I feel like this is something that needs to be talked about. I have gone down this this road. So I feel like I have um, a place to talk. And I know a lot about this. And before I didn't. So I am glad, number one, God took me down this this journey. Number two, I'm glad I did it with Jesus because I would hate to have gone down this road without him. I find, and I'll get deeper into this, that a lot of people who start yoga aren't just doing it for a physical reason. A lot of people are broken. And that is exactly how I ended up in a yoga class. So let's rewind. I went through a pretty rough time in my early 30s, about 34. What happened was I made a bad choice, got married to someone that we didn't really get along. I'm not going to blame him. It's not his fault or mine. It's just we shouldn't have got married. And we did. And then we had children, well, one child. And um, it was a pretty volatile argumentative, you know, there's no really violence going on. Sometimes there'd be some pushing or doors locked or doors broken or whatever, but there was, it was usually verbal abuse on both sides. And of course the child witnesses that. And so as time went on, I decided that this wasn't the life that I wanted to have for my child, but I really didn't know how to go about, um, changing anything. I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. So I would go to Idaho and visit my family because that's where I was born and raised and my family is all still there. So I'd go there and I would just stay for like a month with my daughter. And then I'd come back and I'd feel better and then we'd get more fights and then I would go back to Idaho for a few months. And this was kind of like how I dealt with the stress of it all. Well, it got to a point where I went home and I just knew divorce was coming. I knew it was, you know, coming. So if you've ever been in a situation like that in a in a stressful you know volatile situation where well divorce divorce is sticky it's like taking two pieces of paper gluing it together trying to pull it apart after it's dried and having no damage it just literally does not happen so damage happens in a divorce and I'm one of those people that I just don't like fighting. I don't like arguing. I just I'm like, let's figure it out and move on. Like, if you have a problem with me, just tell me. Um, so I, I didn't really know what to do. So I, I had mentioned this in a podcast back, but I went to a church and I just, I, I was born and raised in a Christian household. I knew Jesus was real. I had my own journey through my twenties, just kind of getting to know him on my own. And I sat there in this church one day that was a pure Bible study church. So they read the Bible line by line, verse by verse. And I, for the first time, opened up my Bible, for the first time started reading it, for the first time fell in love with Jesus and asked him back into my life. And I'm telling you, as soon as I did that, the first thing that changed for me was music. I could no longer handle listening to like NWA or... I mean, for example, Alice in Chains. I used to love Alice in Chains. And the other day, my daughter was listening to a song and I was horrified. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? He just says to deny your maker, Jesus Christ. Like, wow. So yeah, I really opened my eyes to the demonic side of music and, and how it's really designed to touch your soul in a way a lot of people aren't even aware of, right? So there's 
like I've said this before and I'll say it again, we live in two worlds at once. We live in the physical world, which you can see it all in the trees and all the things and your physical feelings. And then there's the spiritual side and that's the unseen realm. And that's the part of life that a lot of people are turned off to. And it's pretty freaking sad. And they don't even realize it exists or it's there or that everything they do is either inviting a demon or an angel, really. You know what I mean? I do believe we all have guardian angels as well. I believe every single one of us do. And I think a lot of us put ours to the test, but um, more than others, you know. So anyways, back to Idaho. I'm in Idaho. I'm staying with my sister. We're 17 months apart. So we're pretty close as adults. And she's like, you know what, Mel, I got you a massage. So she took me over to this lady's house and I'm getting this massage and I'm kind of a smart ass Alec type of person. And I asked the lady more joking than anything, what she felt. I'm like, what do you feel in there? What do you feel in me? And she said, well, I feel that you are an angry person and you should probably go release that. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I am kind of angry. She's right. And so she suggested in or to do that, I should try yoga. And yoga's never been on my radar as a fitness thing. I've done Pilates. I've done kickboxing. I've gone to the gym. But yoga was never on my radar because I pictured it as people sitting there with their legs crossed and making weird noises, chanting. It's called chants. Um, that's what I pictured. And so... I was like, nah, I'm good. So the next day I see an old friend from high school and she was literally glowing. And I was like, girl, what are you doing? You look so amazing. Not only do you look like you've lost a ton of weight, but you look like you're glowing. And she goes, oh, I started doing hot yoga. Do you want to come with me tomorrow? I said, that's funny. I was just told by my, a massage therapist that I should try it. So yeah, I'll go with you tomorrow morning. So I went. And it was a 90 minute class and it was called, I always get this guy's name wrong because there's two guys. There's a big Bikram and a Bikram, Jimmy, a Barkin, maybe Bark. I, it doesn't really matter. That's neither here nor there. One of them's, um, not sued in a lawsuit <laughs> for being a total perv. Uh, so I believe the Bark Bikram, that's his name, Bikram. So it was a Bikram class and it was designed to be 26 postures or in a row that were designed to like help your body. So as we're doing this, the room's heated. I'm dying. Literally. I looked at this chick like you're nuts. Why did you take me here? Um, and there's no down dogs. There's no warrior one, two and three, which we'll get into that. Um, it was, it's pretty basic stuff. And as you're doing it, they're like, this will heal your knees. This will heal your digestive system. This will do this. This will do that. And I'm thinking, holy crap, I didn't know any of this about my body. And it's amazing to learn this. I love it. And I not only loved it, I went home to my sister's house and I threw up black. I, I don't know what it was, but it was black and I was inside my body and I threw it up and, um, I felt great for probably a month, month and a half. And I come back to Albuquerque and the same thing happens, the same scenario and the fighting starts and I'm like, oh my God, I need to feel that way again. I am going to find a hot yoga class. So I look up all the different yoga studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I find uh, 
one I go to. And the number one reason I did not continue to go to this class is because they had a cross on their wall of deities. So it was different pictures that made up a cross. And Jesus was a part of that cross. And that offended me because I was like, man, Jesus is the cross. He laid his life on a cross for us. Don't even try to put him in this cross with other deities. Like, no, no other deity or worshipped person like Buddha has put their life on the line for everybody. And as a matter of fact, I've talked about this before. People that practice Buddhism, good for you, whatever, it's your deal. But look at Buddha. Look at him. He was a rich, spoiled little brat who wanted to go find enlightenment. And he happened to do it after he gave birth to his child with his cousin. And he named his child Ball and Chain and then and then left to go find enlightenment. So not only did he abandon his child and his wife, who was his cousin, he then selfishly went and found supposedly enlightenment by almost starving himself to death. Like, I just... I just have a hard time with it. I just, you know, and then you have Jesus who sacrificed his life for all of us. Such a simple, easy, free gift for everlasting life. <laughs> free. Yeah. You know, what? I'll do that for all y'all and people deny it. It's just interesting to me, but it is what it is. And that's where we're at. So back to yoga. Um, so I'm, I find a studio and I decided that one's not it because I was not down with that cross thing. And I, I decided I was going to be very spiritually aware on this journey because I did know there was, I, I didn't know how much spiritual stuff was involved in yoga until I got deep into it. Um, and I'm going to share with you many examples, but I, um, I just wanted to find something where my, ha my heart felt right. And so I prayed a lot about this journey from the start because I, tell you what Christians will try to criticize you for doing yoga, right? Like the religious ones, they will sin sniff you out. And I'll tell you a story about that here in a second. So I'm practicing, I find a studio. It was, it was in downtown Albuquerque and I started to feel really at home in this place. Like I started to feel like they cared about me. I started to make friends with people. Um, I started to get attracted to one of the, the teachers who I thought was so enlightened and wonderful. And, um, and if there's a guy yoga teacher, I, I'll tell you what, there's probably like 50 girls that think that are trying to get down his pants. I'm not even kidding. And so, and I wasn't trying to get down this guy's pants because I've always been really good with my sexuality. I've not given myself away like that. Um, that's a podcast for another time, but I did want to make out with him. I'll tell you that. I was like, I want to make out with that guy. And I want him to like me more than all the other girls. <laughs> so funny to admit that out loud right now. <sighs> so anyways, um, I'm starting to build and I started to call it home, my home away from home, because it was a place where I would be able to just drop all my stress from the day, which was usually a lot every day and cry. Nobody could tell because it was hot in there and I was already sweaty and people would like, like, touch me and you know what I mean? Like rub me your back or rub your feet while you were in the postures or like, just like readjust you. And I, I was craving human touch. I had no idea how much. And so I really started to love, love the studio and they were doing the 26 postures at the time. And then they started expanding to what they called vinyasa yoga. And this is where I'm going to start. I'm going to tell you there, there's a lot of different terms of yoga. So let's talk about that. There's hot yoga 
which the room's heated, but there's different types of hot yoga. So there was the Bikram yoga, and then this other guy started this vinyasa, and his name was Barkin, I believe. That's why I get him so mixed up. And he started teaching people that you could do hot yoga in this flow type of way. And so it became really popular, so popular that they've ditched the other 26 postures and just let teachers start teaching like from their hearts. So they had a lot of amazing teachers there and I was learning a lot about my body and how it worked. And I mean, I was thinking I'm 34, I've given birth and I don't even connect to my feet touching the earth or my toes spread out or the way I stand or if I stand on my left side or my right. So many cool things I was learning. My knee, I got ran over when I was little, long story, but I fell out of my mom's car. She accidentally ran my leg over, didn't break anything, but always had a little bit of soreness when the weather changed. Well, I learned a posture that helped me get rid of that pain and heal my knees. It was called hero's pose. And so there was And I still say this to this day, I will always do certain poses that help my body. I'm not doing them to worship the pose or anything like that. I'm doing it because it feels right in my body, like a down dog. It helps me spread out my hands that have been closed all day. It helps my feet stretch all the way up my calves, helps my spine pop. And I just walk it out into a forward fold. Like it feels great. So I haven't taken yoga out. And just like been like, ah, I can't do yoga anymore because now I know everything about all these gods and all this stuff. No, but yoga is very much definitely a hundred percent based in the Hindu religion and the Hindu religion. They serve many different gods. And that's where yoga gets a really weird because these yoga teachers, like the hardcore people that are into the Eastern side of it, they're, they're, they're they got some demons up in there. They've let some demons in and I've, um, I've seen them come out and I've seen them manifest and I've seen them worship their statues. And in the Bible, the number one offense to God is worshiping a statue, having those stupid Buddhas and those, uh, uh, what else? Stupid. They have all these Ganesh. Okay. So there's the elephant God Ganesh. And I honestly, I'm not going to waste my time explaining to you what each of these gods do or what they are, but just realize that each pose or a lot of them represent a god and you are literally shaping your body in this position to give honor to these gods. And I understood that and I knew that. And so I had to change it in my head, right? I had to figure out a way to like make that where that wasn't in my practice. And so I renamed all the poses and I, in my head, did them father like, okay, so let's talk. Warrior one is one God. And I don't remember the name. It's, and one of them is like a destroyer. Warrior two is a different God. And warrior three is another God. And then you have um, another pose where they called it a goddess pose. And so all those poses I changed. Like warrior one was the father. Warrior two was the son. Warrior three was the Holy Spirit. The goddess pose I changed to a temple is my my temple. I only prayed to Jesus when I went into yoga classes. And I, I really... I mean, and this all came over time, you know, because I, I started yoga in 2014, I believe, and I stopped doing yoga in 2020. 
And I didn't stop doing yoga because all of a sudden I woke up spiritually. That wasn't at all what happened. I got chastised by the entire community. That's what happened. And so the people I thought were once my best friends all turned their back on me. And not only did they do that, they publicly criticized my character when they knew I was not that way. But let's, I, I'm digressing a little bit there. So what happened was, um, I decided after time went, okay, I'm, I'm kind of jumping a little bit. So I'm going through the divorce. I'm getting, getting to know my body. I'm starting to figure out that I really like this hot yoga. I'm making a lot of good friends. My daughter's getting a little older. The divorce finally gets finalized. And I'm thinking I I need to find something to do that I want to do that I love. And I want to teach fitness and I want to help people the way I have been helped because you know, I don't want people to miss out on this and I can bring God into this, for lack of a better word, heathen place where this it's demonic. And I, I, uh, went off a little bit when I said the Bible, the number one offense is false gods to, he says, why would you worship a statue made with man, man's hands wasn't created by God that has no ears to hear you, no eyes to see you, no mouth to answer you. Why? And people do it all day long, all day long. Where Jesus is, a, it's a spirit of truth. You know, you don't have to have a statue. Yes, I have a Jesus hanging because I like to picture what he looked like when he was here. And, uh, but I don't worship, you know, the picture of Jesus. I know that isn't Jesus, if that makes sense. So yeah, anyways, um, so we, I, I decide I need to go be a teacher. So I eventually scrounge up enough money to take myself through teacher's training. And this is when I started to see the nasty side of, of the religion, I guess the Hindu religion. So we're sitting in the training one day and somebody bashed Christians and the way they looked at yoga. And I said, you know what? I'm a Christian in here and I'm doing yoga. And so I, you shouldn't just bash Christians. And I felt really brave for sticking up for Jesus. You know, I wanted everybody to know that I was a Christian yoga teacher. Like if I could have tattooed it on my head, I would have, but the best I could do was make sure like if it, if I could, I would speak that I, you know, I would speak Jesus's name. That's who I follow. Um, because of what he did for me on the cross. And I would just tell people why I like Jesus, but I also hate religion. And so I'd also explain that too, you know, where you got to remember Buddhism and Hinduism and all those things are religions, right? People hold really tight to their religions and Christians do the same darn thing where they get really criticizy and really nasty, really fast to people when they think they're doing something wrong. You got to let people go through their journeys Just like my mom, she did not like the yoga, but she let me go through my journey. You know what I mean? She trusted that I still love Jesus, even though I was doing yoga. So people need to get off their high horses. I've seen so many people like, yoga's bad, you need to stop doing it. Well, let that person go through that journey. If they believe in Jesus and they're a Christian and they're doing yoga, let them go through their journey. You know, pray for them and and let God teach them what God's going to teach them. And you don't know they're they're It's like, we never know what goes on in a relationship when the doors are closed. You don't know what goes on in someone's heart with God. 
None of us do. And we all need to get really a lot better at sin sniffing everybody and just be our, ourselves unapologetically and just live and learn and let God teach us. And that's um, a huge thing because I'll never forget the day I walked out of my house and my neighbor had just moved in and she was one of those people that likes to announce to the rooftops that she's a Christian. Um, which I really find that leery because you shouldn't have to announce it. It should be in your actions, not your words. And, um, one day I walk out with my yoga mat and she went a literal, <gasps> Oh my God, you're a Christian and you do yoga. Like I couldn't be a Christian and do yoga. And I was like, yeah. And it helped me that this, this and that. And the next day, I'm not even kidding you. She called me and asked me if I would teach her Christian quote unquote yoga. Cause she was so stiff that she couldn't walk when she got up out of bed. And so that to me was like huge because one, she made me need to go in and pray. I was like, God, please, is this what you want me to do? Cause I don't want this judgment. And I'll, I'm going to say this. I did feel judged by Christians the entire time I was a yoga teacher. And like, I felt like I had to explain it. I'm a yoga teacher, but I love Jesus. Like, I don't have to do that now that I do real estate. <laughs> People are like, oh, cool. You do real estate where yoga, you do get judged. Um, anyways, so I decide I'm going to go to teacher's training. I'm, I'm trying to just get through it. Every time that I would teach at the studio or practice or whatever, I would remove the statue that they had on this, this altar and the front of the classroom. And it had like all these different arms and, and there's a name for this Hindu God and I don't care to know it, but you know, these, these yoga people do, and they know exactly what this God represents and what's supposed to do for you. And you know how exhausting it'd be to have that many gods and have to memorize all their names. Exhausting. I don't even know how they do it. So I would remove the statue and sometimes I'd forget to put it on back on the altar when I left. And oh man, that caused an uproar. So they got, finally, an email went out that said, don't touch the statue, whoever's touching it. I know they knew it was me because I was the only one who, who cared. And so um, that was my first experience teaching at a yoga studio after I was certified. Then I decided to teach at the hot yoga studio. They allowed me to teach there, which I felt really proud about because they only hired the best of the best. You know, we are pretty stuck up over there. We're like, we know every, we are the best teachers in town and this is the best place to be. And, uh. and so I finally got a job over there. I should say, finally, I got one pretty close after I got out of teacher's training and I was trying really hard to just make sure I had a good name for myself because they, so many teachers would come in and they'd get crap talked about them and then they wouldn't last very long. So I wanted to last long. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be the best teacher. And things were going really well for the most part, except for every once in a while, I get in trouble for having a song with Jesus in it. So I would play Christian songs undercover. Sometimes I would do them like just ones that I knew wouldn't say Jesus, but they were on the Christian radio station. Sometimes I, if I did a class with no lyrics, I would do like Chick-fil-A set, you know, like all Christian songs with no lyrics. And one day there was a witch in that class. Her spirit was so stirred up that she had, she could not stand that music. She had to leave. It was the craziest thing. And right after class, another woman that was in my class who was a Christian said, I noticed that music you were playing and I noticed that woman couldn't stand it. And I th thank you for playing that music, you know? So, you know, Christians do go do yoga. And this lady even told me her pastor told her to quit doing yoga 
because it was bad, but it was making her feel better. So, I mean, there's, I still to this day want to do some type of studio when I make it big. I want to open up a studio that I can teach three or four days a week when I feel like it and hire teachers and have it Christian fitness. I'm not going to call it yoga though. And so, um, fast forward, I decide I'm going to open up a Christian yoga studio. So I do. And I do this in the 2019, I believe right before COVID. Um, cause it didn't last very long. And I had little, I said, I called it soul warrior alternative yoga. And I made flyers and I did a website and I talked about how we're renaming these poses to take the uh, power out of the Hindu gods and give it back to Jesus. So it's no longer going to be the three Hindu gods. We're doing father, son, Holy spirit. Every single time I did a class, I'd have to tell, explain this because I didn't want people to go out into the world after one of my classes and think yoga was okay and not know the difference spiritually. You need to know that it's a huge, huge thing because you can, if you're an empty vessel, that's just searching for something spiritually. You know how many people I've saw walk through that yoga studio that turned into doing Kundalini yoga, which is like, in my opinion, the worst form of yoga you could possibly do. It's literally invoking a demon to come into your body and you practice and let it happen. And it goes up your spine and it's a serpent. And uh, uh-uh. like if you have ever done Kundalini yoga, you should ask God, if you believe in anything I'm saying, to cut the head out of that serpent and take it out of your dang body. In Jesus name. Seriously, ask, ask that Kundalini spirit to get the hell out of you. And um, so that's the worst, right? The Kundalini spirit. And I see a lot of Christians be like, I've I see Kundalini spirits in church and maybe they do like the head shaking nowhere in the Bible. Does it say you should lose control? God gives us self control. So I think people that are losing control, like, I don't know, again, that's their journey, but it's just weird to me. And those, it's just weird. So maybe they're right. Maybe that is a spirit of Kundalini in the churches too. It probably is. Um, actually I know it is. So, um, there's the kundalini, there's hatha yoga. There's just so many different types of yoga um, that do, don't just think you're walking into yoga class and, and it's just going to be innocent. You will see so many Hindu vibes all around you. You will see it on the artwork. You will see it um, and just little things that you might not even know about. Real quick, I want to talk about chakras. Um, a lot of people think chakras are fake or unreal um, here's my take on chakras. I, I found chakras to be very interesting and they made sense to me, but I also feel like people worship the chakra by using rocks, stones, other things to ground themselves rather than Jesus and the spirit of God. And that's where it can get yicky. And so Chakras are energy points in the body and basically chakra runs up and down your spine as the color of a rainbow. Why would that not be God? God's first covenant he showed on earth was a rainbow. Why would he not put a rainbow in each and every single one of us? I think it makes sense. So the bottom part is how you, uh, the, so the, the rainbow color, if you don't know, Roy, G, Biv. So red, orange, yellow, blue, uh, wait, Roy G. So green, 
blue, indigo, and violet. So Roy red is um, the base of your spine, the very, very bottom. And they say that color represents your ancestry, how you connect to the earth. Um, you know, if you're feeling a little crazy, that means maybe you need to ground down a little bit, take your shoes off, go to the park. We all know this stuff is, is good for you, right? To just do that. So then the second one right above that is orange. And that is going to be your sexual energy. So like if you've been molested or had, you know, a horrible something happened there, that, that area could be a little jacked up. Um, go up to yellow. That is your gut, your gut instincts. Then you go to, this is your earthly side to the green, which is your heart, which is the bridge from your earthly. And I talk about this all the time from your earthly side, this physical world to the spirit side. So once you go to that bridge, that heart, which is green, you go to your throat, which is your ability to communicate, which is the blue. And then you go to the middle of your third eye, which is in the Bible, the pineal gland. And, um, that one is indigo and that is your creative side, what your creativity. And then the violet is around you. And that's God protecting you, I believe. So that's, so when I first learned about chakras, I was like, that's so cool. So cool. But then I would start seeing people come in with like, I got to wear all yellow today because I got to ground my chakra and I can't wear this color because it aggravates my chakra. Like just making life so complicated. I never even heard of uh, mercury and retrograde. I'm like, what the, what is that? And if you've listened to my NASA thing from last week. I don't even believe in half the stuff they believe in. I don't believe we spin around and all that stuff. I don't believe in Mercury in retrograde. And if it is in retrograde, maybe it is. I don't know. But I don't, I'm not going to sit there and everything's going to go wrong. No, no. If I don't, no. Uh. -uh. So anyways, there's just so much weird stuff that is associated with yoga that people just need to know about. And and be aware of, especially if you're a Christian and you're practicing it because you shouldn't be over there naive to it, especially if you think it's just some innocent thing. It's not. And you, somebody's like, you want to go to Kundalini yoga? And next thing you know, you're like invoking and not just invoking, but inviting a Kundalini spirit inside of you. Like that's legit. The Shakti spirit, you know, it's, there's a lot of spirits involved in yoga. There's a guy and I'll actually find the clip before I close named Ron Cohen. And he talks about his journey through yoga and when the Shakti spirit left him. Now I'll find that recording when I end this, uh, which will be very soon. So in closing, there's another pose that you will find very, very, very common in a hot yoga. Probably I, that's really the only type of yoga I did. Um, I tried booty yoga as well, which she talks about the Kundalini spirit in her training and I wasn't even awake back then to be like, Oh, I'm leaving. I'm not paying any more money for this. Like she talked about invoking and inviting the Kundalini in her manual. So I found that interesting looking back because the Kundalini wasn't even really on my radar. The sun salutations, they were bowing down to the S U N. And so I would just be like, I'm when I'm doing this in my heart, I'm bowing down to the S O N the son of God, Jesus. Um, so, you know, you do have to change some things in your head. And if you, if you just go in there blindly doing it, you are, you are putting your body in your shape and 
your, you know, spiritual side of stuff is probably open. I, I don't know because I'm not God, but I do know the spirits are very, very real. And in the Bible, it says we do not fight flesh and blood. We spite, we fight spirits and principalities. So we, when people are mean to you or attack you, it's not their God self. It's not the, you know, the image of God in them that's fighting you. It's a devil or, and I'm that for lack of a better word, a, a demon that has been let in. I see that a demon in uh, feminism, all the isms, there's pretty much a demon in it. Um, you know, all these gods, you let them in, they're going to be your gods. So, you know, you're letting the God, the destroyer God rule your life. Like, I don't know. Like you got to ask yourself that. So the yoga, whole, the whole yoga thing is a thing. It's not just a nothing. It's a thing. And you should know, you know, I got in trouble for playing Christian music. I got complaints, but then you would have people playing the home and, the la, 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 and no complaints, you know? So it's definitely a spiritual thing, a spiritual atmosphere uh, for sure. People do not like the name of Jesus. They do not like it that I have those demons inside of them. So one of my last classes was March of 2020. And I was starting to feel spiritually more and more and more like I just don't belong here anymore. It's just too hard to fight all these spirits. I was too awake to spiritual things at this point. I, you know, started to realize all the de demonic things that were going on. I would find myself half the time praying for all the people in that room for like with, if they would start oming or chanting anything in the room, they started getting, doing that more and more, which they never did that at the beginning. Um, I would find myself not walking in, waiting till it was over, praying if it happened while I was in there, I would not participate in the, any of that and the ohms and all that stuff because they don't even know what they're doing. Don't do or say things. You don't know what you're doing. People come on now. And so it started getting pretty intense for me. And plus the studio was in a crappy part of town where a lot of homeless people would like pull out their private parts in the windows and you'd be trying to do a down dog. And next thing you know, there's a gross guy with this thing out. So yeah, I was getting pretty wild down there. I, the last day I taught, there was somebody taking all their clothes off in the back window where a bunch of people were, I was trying to distract to not see them. So I was getting to a point where I was, do I need a gun to come here? And not only that, do I need to bring my holy water? Like this is getting intense. Well, the COVID happened and they shut down the studio and I still love the studio at this point. I was like, Oh man, how sad. It's so sad. We can't be here together anymore. And I remember praying there with the owner, one of the last you know days it was closed to the public. And then that spirit of righteousness came over people and they were better than me. Oh boy. I needed some education because why, how dare me not wear a mask? Okay. We're teaching yoga and you want me to wear a mask? So I soon became too, literally, this was a text message I got. Mel, you need to take a break off the Zoom after teaching Zoom yoga classes because you're too controversial on your social media. And you, this is what I was told, you are an influencer. <laughs> Which at that point I was like, no, I'm not. I still don't think I'm an influencer. I think everybody's an influencer, to be honest. But I was an influencer, so I should keep my mouth shut. And I thought... If you're an influencer, that's the opposite of what influencers do. And it did make me start my first podcast, which got deleted by the Associated Press. 
So I was getting somewhere with it, you know, um, because they didn't like what I had to say. They didn't like the truth I was sharing. It's, it's been a very interesting couple of years and I'm um, getting all those attacks, you know, for the people, this one guy called me the C-U-N-T word. I mean, they, and this guy came to my class every single day for four years. I'm the one that like got a free yoga for a while and got his brother there and his wife there. And next thing you know, I'm like, he would find me on any social media page I had. If I'd bring up a new one after I'd get deleted and call me names. So it was hard to let all those people go and let them out of my life and just be like, you know what? Bye Felicia laters. So yeah, it was an interesting journey. Uh, one that I needed to go through and I'm glad I did. Um, I'm glad I learned about so much of the Hindu stuff. I'm glad that, um, God was in my life the whole time. The real God, the one that created us, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God. Um, and with that, let's pray. And then I'm going to play Ron Cohen. So thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for everything you do in our lives. Thank you for just the constant protection, guidance, um, the journeys that you take us all on spiritually, the love you have for each and every single one of your children that you have made on this earth. Let everyone feel a big hug, hug from you, Lord, a big kiss from you. They just, just, they know that they are important and they're, are made in an image of a wonderful God, but they are not gods. They are not gods and they cannot create like you did. They can create with their words. They can create with their actions, but they cannot create like you did Lord and let them take their God syndrome out of their hearts and let you, the real God of the universe, fill their hearts. I thank you, Jesus, for this podcast. I'm sorry if I said like a billion times today because I was listening back to a few things when I was editing and I'm like, there it is again. I thought, wow, Mel, you sound a little valley today, but that's okay. I, I am human. I'm here just to share. I do it for free. I do it for fun and I do it for you. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, audience. Thank you, everybody. Here's Ron Cohen telling us about his journey releasing his Shakti spirit, which is also a yoga spirit. Okay, so this is called Yogi Meets Messiah. It's Ron Cohen, and I will put the link in the description box below. Bible, you know, this uh, New Living Bible somebody gave me, or um, I had another name back then, the little one. And I started reading about this Jesus. And so here I was as a Jew seeking Jesus and living in a world of spirit and occultism. In my last year in college was a time many of the Cubans were coming into Miami. And I met up with the Cuban Santeria. You ever heard of the Santeria? The Santeria is the Spanish version of Juju. The voodoo that's in Haiti is, is Haitian Santeria. And so what they started to do was to teach me how to harness these spirits up to have, quote, my will be done. In other words, instead of just having them to be floating around with me and talking, how to actively start to use them and send them out to, to do different missions or whatever. And again, all of this is in a in a whole realm of darkness, but I did not know that. I didn't know that I was in darkness or light. I, I didn't know there was, you know, darkness, light, any of that. Um, all I knew was that I was learning how to become deeper involved with this. 
And then I got involved with someone named Rudolf Steiner in anthroposophy and went over to Switzerland. In Switzerland, there is a whole school of the study of psychic sciences and uh, went over to Switzerland there. I also met a much older woman named Agatha. Uh, she was from Russia. She was a very famous psychic or seance person. And she started to, I spent several years with her learning how to do seances and how to um, look at people. And as I would walk to work, I ended up graduating college as I was an accountant, a tax account. How would you like your taxes done by an accountant who can uh, see, you know, what's going on in your room, <laughs> you know, float into your window or whatever? But anyway, um, I started then to, to get deeper involved in mediumship and seances and astrologies and the study of this whole realm of parapsychology and whatever. But in all of it, I was looking for that man. And I didn't find him in any of that. So the journey kept on going. I came back from, uh, uh, from Switzerland. I was working uh, in, in a very large accounting firm in New York City. And I remember one day after I came back from, from this school, I was getting out of the subway at Central Park West and 86th Street in New York. And I had on my business suit. And uh, I used to wear a wig to work. And really I had long hair. And I would roll it on my head and put this wig on. And, uh, I, and you know, this business wig. And uh, it was pretty real. Anyway, like I tell people, after the service, I'll take my wig off and I'll show you my real hair. <laughs> so I, I was living a really double life. In the daytime, a vest suit, an accountant, CPA, an accountant, and at night... I was, uh, you know, an astrologer, a medium, a, you know, saw all of that stuff. Kind of really walking in this whole double world. Well, anyway, I got out of the subway in uh, Central Park West 86th Street. And there on the other side of the street, and I guess it's like we're with Montreal today. I mean, we're looking about a busy street, subways, buses, taxis. And there on the other side of the street, on the corner, there was a bench, a park bench, and there was a man sitting there with his legs crossed. He had on his funny white pajamas. He had long hair that was in a knot on the top of his head, a long beard. And he was just kind of sitting on the bench with his hands there. And there were 30 or 40 people all around him sitting on mats and blankets right in the middle of New York City. Right on, you know, I mean, just a strange sight. And the women had all these strange, we called it funky, all these strange, colorful outfits and Indian saris and such. And I walked across the street, and I was just kind of leaning on a tree there looking at this group. And this man looked up at me, and he said in a hand language, because I learned later he was silent for many years. And he said in a hand language, and somebody interpreted, he said, welcome home. This is what you have been looking for. Well, how did he know I was looking for anything? I was just on my way home from work to my apartment. But that was my introduction to Hinduism, to yoga, to meditation, and to a man in India named Satya Sai Baba. 
There is in India, and he, this man just passed away about three months ago, this man in India named Satya Sai Baba. Satya means truth, Sai means mother, Baba, father. His name means mother, father of all truth. Sai Baba didn't claim to be Jesus. He claimed to be the one who sent Jesus to the earth. Now, we may laugh at that, but Sai Baba has over 30 million followers. He's got... Okay, I'm going to pause that there because I can't let my podcast get too long. One, it doesn't upload after 60 minutes. And two, I want you to hear all this. So I'm going to fast forward now to... So he gets deep with this guy. Um, and he ends up going to India. This guy can manifest cashews out of the thin air. Like, I mean, spiritual stuff is real, you guys. And what's so funny is, and not funny, is that the church has made people so spiritually dumb to God's power, but the demonic side is very well aware how real it is. And they use it. So we need to start using it too. Um, but now I'm going to play you the very, very last part of how, so he starts letting these spirits in. He can see spiritual stuff. And then one day he goes back to India and this is what happens. I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I held my hand up and three foot rays of blue light would visibly come out of my fingertips that were seen in the daylight. And I held my hand up and I said, for sure I have the Holy Spirit. And he pointed his finger at me and he said, <clears throat> you're lying. Jesus isn't in your heart and you don't have the Holy Spirit. I could see it in your eyes. I could see it in your eyes. <clears throat> and he turned around and walked away. And about 30 feet away, he disappeared in the air. And we all saw this. Well, at the time, we really laughed it off. I didn't believe in duality. We were into Advaitist Buddhism or Hinduism. We didn't believe in right and wrong, Christ or the devil, good or bad. We believed that it was all one. Beware of all one. One world government, one world religion, one world systems, beware of all one. Well, we didn't believe in duality, so this didn't make sense. Well, a few days later, we got back into the buses and we traveled all the way cross country from California, took several weeks, and we ended up in a yoga monastery, again upstate New York, at a birthday party of this guru. This guy that was on that bench in New York City many years before now. So this is maybe three, four, five years later. The guy who first introduced me. He was having a birthday party. And so we all went cross country. People came from all over, several hundred people. And we started to hear, to hear that something was happening with this guy. He was Jewish also. We were all Jewish mainly. And that. Um, it's interesting. But when we got US there, studio, most of them were Jewish too. This guy was talking for the first time in seven years. And he said, I want you to come into this yoga monastery, this yoga hall, our satsang, our you know, yoga hall, and I want to tell you about what's happened to my life. 
Let me just take a little backtrack. People ask me often, hey, Ron, what about Hatha yoga? Is there anything wrong with the exercise yoga? You know, the Hatha yoga, it's taught in churches, it's taught in the YMCA, schools, or whatever. One of the things you don't realize, because you can't see it very well unless you're there, is that every one of those positions in Hatha yoga, the lion pose, the scorpion pose, the serpent pose, every one of those positions looks like a spirit, or a spirit looks just like those positions. And there you are in yoga, watching your breath, shutting down your mind, shutting down your consciousness, shutting down your ability to discern right from wrong, and now you're in this contorted position, and that spirit slips right in. The purpose of Hatha Yoga is possession. A spirit is looking for a home, and it can't get in just that easily. It has to be invited in. It has to be a home that's been swept empty, with no conscience, no discernment, no judgment, just emptiness, and then the spirit slips in. That's the purpose of the yogas, is possession. But you know, all of this is counterfeit. Because what does the Holy Spirit want to do? It wants to possess you also. But with discernment, with thought, with ability, not with an emptiness, not with a dumbness, you know, not in contorted positions, but where you are willingly inviting the Spirit of God to take control of your life. So everything in this, in all of the, the yogas, all of the psychics, the astrology, the numerology, all of that stuff is just counterfeit of what's real in God. Well, this guy had this story. This yoga monastery, this ashram upstate New York, way in the mountains, 20 miles from town, no electricity, no plumbing, no telephone, no computer, no internet, nothing connected it to the outside world. It was self-sufficient farming. Nothing connected it to the outside world but a tank of LP gas that was used to heat a stove in the winter when things really froze in an emergency. They needed hot water. And one day, a Baptist man drove all the way up to change this tank of gas and left a track of 1 John 4 on this guy's doorstep. Well, Gil's story was that he was being led by the Spirit to the outhouse that morning, and he tripped over the, door, the doorstep of his little hut, it's called a yurt, of his little hut, and he said his nose fell on that track, and he took it as a sign from God to read it. And he picked it up and started to read it for whatever reason. And 1 John 4 says, Beloved, test the spirits. Not every spirit is from God. It doesn't say there's no such thing as spirits. It says not everyone comes from God. This is how you know if it's from God. 
if it confesses Jesus come in the flesh, it's from God. It doesn't say if it confesses Jesus came. Because there's groups back then when the church was just formed, there was Gnostics, there was Docius, there were people that believed that Jesus was never really human, you know, or he just appeared and such. So if Jesus came in the flesh, it's of God. If the spirits cannot confess that, they are the spirit of the Antichrist, of the anti-anointing against God. And there was a little prayer on the back of that track. And what Gil said is he just started to read it, and it was sitting there in his hut. And But he said after a few months, that spirit that was inside him started to release him. He also caught Satya Sai Baba, the mother father of all truth. He caught Sai Baba in a lie. And it was a big lie. And it started to go across his mind, how can God lie? If God's name is truth, how can this happen? Something isn't right here. And after a little while, he got his voice back. And then we pulled up and, you know, he just shared, hey, something's been happening with me. And that and, you know, this track here. And, and all he did was kind of challenge us. And he said, uh, you know, I had a Hindu name back then. But, you know, he just said, he said, why don't you go into this yoga hut here and test the spirit yourself? Now, again, we had no preacher, no church. We didn't know anything that we were doing. Um, out, out of the 150 there, maybe three or four were Christian in some way or from the church, you know, in the background. But most of us were Jewish. No idea. But I was still looking for that man. And even though I thought I arrived... I was already in samadhi and, you know, higher meditations. You know, I thought I was there already. But uh, anyway, I went into this yoga hut, and it was about, uh, you know, eight feet in diameter. It was round. And I sat on the wooden floor, and I crossed my legs, and uh, look what came out of my mouth. I mean, I knew nothing about this stuff. But I said, Shakti, I was able to speak to the spirit in me. I mean, it was very real. It was sitting, you know, in my back. I said, Shakti, do you confess Jesus is Lord? Now, I, no one told me. I had no idea what to say like that. I said, Shakti, do you confess Jesus is Lord? But I was very serious. I mean, I was, this was, wasn't playing. Shakti, do you confess Jesus is Lord? And in about 10 minutes, I felt something like a ping-pong ball going up and down my back. And I knew it was this yoga kundalini serpent spirit. And so I spoke to it again, right to it. And I said, Shakti, do you confess Jesus is Lord? And about 10 minutes after that, this thing slipped out of my body through my feet into the ground. And I stood up and walked out of that place. A Ron Cohen, who I was eight, ten years before that. All of a sudden, thoughts came back into my mind. I was able to sit for, again, for an hour, minutes and minutes without a thought. I was able to empty the mind. Emotions came back. I had no feelings. Empty. Thoughts and emotions. And all of a sudden, all the auras, 
because again I was overseeing this group that was with me and every one of them there was a spiritual connection I saw auras lights rainbows around and in that rainbow I saw their parents their dead grandmother saw where they worked as they left and went hundreds of miles away there was a communication through that aura through that spirit with them all of that disappeared the moment that spirit left my body and I got out of there and there was good 40 50 people that were waiting it was about 34 in our group that were on the bus and I just said, wow, something happened. Go try it yourself. So he goes on to talk about when he went and got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this, this man has pulled arms that weren't there out of people. He's seen miracles and after miracle after miracle through the Holy Spirit. And what he says at the very end really hit me. He said, when I saw this woman, she came in, she didn't have her arms or legs. She was in a wheelchair. It's probably thiamide or whatever that stuff's called that they gave the 80s babies and even before that. And it made him be born without limbs. Well, that's an attack from the enemy. God makes us perfect. So if anything happens, it's an attack. And he saw that and he said, you know what? I see your arms and he pulled them out. Could you imagine seeing this? I cannot wait until the world is so filled up with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be so cool. It's going to be so cool. So I hope that's you. I hope you realize this stuff is real. And now you know, I even take back the Hatha thing. Like yoga's dangerous, you guys. <laughs> My opinion, stay away, especially, especially if you're a Christian.